Hello, this is Andy Brewer with Healthcare Insights Podcast from Northwest Area Health Education Center. Today, my guest is Joy Truluck. Joy is the Director of Advancement of the YWCA, and she's also a friend of mine for over a quarter century. So <laughs> we've got that, that connection as well, so welcome. Oh, thank you. It's really nice to be here. So we're going to jump right in. The, the mission statement of the, or the tagline for the YWCA, empowering women, eliminating racism. So how's that going? <laughs> you know, the work is never done, um, but it's good. We, we have a lot of programs that we're very proud of that address and help and, and, and support people who are oftentimes kind of on the margin and um, that the doors are closed on them, and instead we find a way to to work individually to help people kind of feel that sense of empowerment, feel mm-hmm. feel a place in their create and and feel their place in our community by addressing their health needs, mental health needs, substance abuse needs. There's a variety of programs that the YWCA mm-hmm. operates that that address eliminating racism and empowering women. Well, tell me about. This program. So uh, about six or seven years ago, the YWCA did a really, really deep dive on looking at where were we duplicating efforts with other nonprofits in town and where are we truly working in a unique sphere. And let's focus on those and 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 see, you know, see what we can do in terms of moving the needle and then lots of collaborative partnerships. Um, to address the needs that might not be met. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have three programmatic pieces that are life-changing programs. One is the Holly House, which is the only North Carolina, it's only the state licensed residential facility for women in Forsyth County. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's unique in that way. Um, About, 80 to 100% of the women um, in the program were previously incarcerated. Um, And they're referred to us through a variety of different programs. Some of it is Project New Start, which is is also under the YWCA, where we work with women who are getting ready to be released to connect with resources so that they can create some independence and self-sufficiency. At that time... um, Women will maybe express interest in wanting to come into the Holly House uh, before anyone's admitted. They go through a detox program um, so that they're fully through detox. We want to really make sure we're kind of set up for success. Mm-hmm. And um, we have about any we fluctuate between and seventy five to hundred percent success rate with women being substance free after a year or three years where we're, the numbers go up after three years, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting, but the pool gets bigger. Right, yeah. So it makes sense. Um, but, you know, we're, we're very, very proud of the work that that's done there. About 62 children have um, been reunited with their mothers over the last 10 years, which is a really interesting part of the work and very, very powerful. Um, you know, as you might imagine, when women have substance abuse disorder, they, end up, you know, really suffering with that disease. And they they do lose their children. They lose their job. They, you know, they end up in, in some criminal activity, end up incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And so offering a, a residential space and a sense of community to really come out of that and heal is, is very powerful. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and the the plans that are created are very individually based. So the first 30 days is really intensive. Someone's with you the whole time. You create your goals. You add to your goals. And they address everything for the woman. A lot of them have hepatitis C or dual diagnosis with mental health issues. So all of that is addressed at one time. And the goals are created for a person-centered plan, which then is assessed at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 180, and 365. And then there's a, you know, there's a aftercare kind of wellness um, part of recovery too. And so most women stay six to nine months and the six month shorter program is typically if kids are in DSS and there's a desire and part of the goal is to be re- reunited. And so that's why it's maybe sped up, mm-hmm. but it's very motivating, obviously, to reunite with family and, and Women are empowered by it. It's, it's pretty substantial, life-changing work. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that the support systems to catch those people as they're released um, probably aren't near the need. Yeah, They're no. not meeting the needs that we have, yeah. so it's good that we have something here. Um, what is a day in the life for someone that, that comes in? I mean, you, you obviously, they're working with support people to come up with those goals but mm-hmm. what is a you know they wake up and then what do they share uh, house duties or are there anything like you know the, yeah the community aspect the, the community is aspect is is big um we just increased the number of beds at the holly house from six to nine just good 50 percent increase because um, the number of women being served which you alluded to far exceeds what is available mm-hmm. um in terms of supply for for care um but the it's a highly structured program so there are you know there are meal duties there are chore duties but there, that also comes with fellowship and um and then every day kind of has a an activity related to the to a goal. I mean, there's a lot that happens with kind of just the healthcare and continuing those assessments, especially in the more acute stage of coming in. Um, there are group meetings and counseling sessions and vocational work, and you know, so we have several partners. There's probably I would say 20 to 30 partners that we work with mm-hmm. to make sure that the health needs are met, that the vocational needs are met, that you know, that they have the counseling and the support and and can stay in the program even if they experience um, a setback. Mm-hmm. So it's because, as you might imagine, it's a bumpy, mm-hmm. bumpy road, I think, particularly at the beginning. And so, so they are, are they engaged all day? I mean, are, yes. So they don't really have a whole lot of just downtime. No, there's there's not. There's, I would assume. Yeah, no, there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of support and it's really focused on rebuilding their lives. Um, and they're not doing that independently at first. They're doing that completely with structure and support. And, in a, you know, they're, someone is with them to mm. go on those appointments and to go on the, you know, driving them to and fro. So transportation is a big part of the mm. need. But then as time progresses, you know, the goals restructure and then it becomes like, what what are you doing for your self-care? Mm-hmm. You know, so how, how are you how are you able to get to your appointments? Is it you know, is there a car that needs to be repaired and or purchased, or is there is it learning the transportation system? Is it carpooling? Is it you know how mm-hmm. how is it going to happen? And and then coming up with that that plan, you know, getting back to work, and then how are you going to get to work? And mm-hmm. typically, when they graduate from the program, they have 
enough money to get a place and emergency funds set aside. That's part of the goal. So they're working and, you know, very engaged in rebuilding their lives because they're just highly motivated. Well, good. And, and how is the selection? What's the selection process like? Because I can imagine there's a lot of need and right. you have to be somewhat selective. I mean, you can't accept everyone. So. Right. Well, everyone comes through referral. So no one, you know, just comes to the Holly House. They, they're ref- we're the lead agency for referrals from ARCA. Um, Which is? Uh, association of Recovery. Da, 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 da. I will. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah, we can we'll, look it up. We'll circle post, back on that. Post production. So ARCA <laughs> does the referral. ARCA or? does is one of the lead agencies mm-hmm. to do referral. Um, and the you know the Forsyth County Detention Center. Um, there's the district attorney's office has a, a you know an option where they want people to go through treatment as opposed to being incarcerated. So we have, I mean, the, the list of partners for referral is really high because we do, you know, as I alluded to before, they have to go through detox entirely before they can come into the program. Mm-hmm. But Holly House is one of three programs that we have that are addressing needs in our community. Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit about best choice dinner if we can yeah, switch talk. over. Yeah. So, um, Best Choice Center, and actually Holly House both are um, programs that the city asked the YWCA to take over at some point in time. And I, I, I want to say it was 1998 for Holly House. I'm not entirely sure what year it was for. Um, take the, over from whom? Well, just to put it under our umbrella because it was, you it was know. Like independent. And yeah, it, need, it, it needed affiliation until, you know, better leverage and do the work at having the structure of coming under the YWCA was a positive thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, the best choice center was started by Virginia Newell, who was a just amazing educator, um, and very, very dedicated to addressing the needs, um, for children of color in our community and started the best choice center, which is an aftercare after school program that's mm-hmm. academically focused. It's okay. not just there. They're not it's not just yeah, a just space for them to be, you know, safe and 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 you know, have supervision, but it's actually ac- very very academically driven. Um, it also has a summer camp. And the the program is is really interesting in that all of the all of the folks who work there are really really driven to see children succeed. So it's all certified teachers. Um, and the partnerships that we have, we have two main partners for nutrition. So we work with the Herbalife Foundation and they provide non-sugary, non-salty snacks for kids. So they're focused on nutritional education um, and they feed them fruits and vegetables and water and, you know, and, and actually have kind of a module to teach some nutritional Good habits. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they help us put it in a kitchen. And then we have a, an additional partnership with Second Harvest Food Bank. So all of the children are actually fed a hot meal before they even go home mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So the structure of the day is that they come in, they get their wiggles out, they have snack, and they focus on homework with teachers, 
they do their homework. If they have a science project, they do their science project. I mean, it's 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 completely hands-on. We have a partnership with the Forsyth County Schools, so we have access to all of their grades. So we know if anyone's starting to slip and not, you know, meet the standards that we have for the program. Um, and all of the students, they, they're at... 150% of the, the poverty level or below. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 98% African-American, Hispanic, um, you know, 2% white. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a population that is typically not thought of as academically thriving. And at the end of the last quarter, 35% of our students were on the honor roll. Oh, great. But to even be recognized in the program, they have to be on the honor roll with good conduct. So we had one student who was, you know, really whip smart and just doing great getting on the honor roll, but having problems with conduct. And he finally kind of got <laughs> pushed through through that barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but 95% in the after school program maintained a C or, or higher in math and 92% of them in reading. And just mm-hmm. from the, you know, the averages for Forsyth County and Winston-Salem aren't that good for yeah. any demographic, but mm-hmm. to especially go down to kids that look in at kids that are living in poverty mm-hmm. and it gets really bad because we're not serving those children correctly. Yeah. But this program does. I'm very proud of it. Um, we have the capacity for about 55 kids, but we're in between 35 and 40 because we have some transportation barriers. So we're trying to create some more partnerships to be able to pick up at more schools and then the schools that we have to make sure that people know about the program and um, increase the enrollment to really bring it up to where it needs to be. And then the summer camp is you know it has all of these elements except for that it's summer camp so part of the part of the day is spent on academic excellence and so they don't lose they don't have that dip in in their reading scores mm-hmm. yeah. um the summer slump yeah the summer slump but they also um you know we we have some some funding partners that are really really want to make sure that kids have some experiences that are more you know enriched than what is typically mm-hmm. so they get to go to the Lion King. They go to the Discovery Center. You know, they see something mm-hmm. so they can come back and, and brag about what they did that summer. Yeah. Um, and we do swimming lessons and tennis and cycling lessons. So it's really an amazing program. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what are the age groups? Um, it's K through, K through eight. And mm-hmm. we have a partnership with the um, Crosby Scholars and Big Brothers Big Sisters mm-hmm. where we have mentors. They're called um, Crosby Bigs. Mm-hmm. And they take their littles and kind of have mentoring sessions with them. And, um, you know, just that peer support because it means so much to those kids to have an example of someone who's on the path who, you know, and, most of the Crosby Bigs come from the Best Choice Center, so mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a great program where they're kind of one is feeding the other in this in this very very positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the yeah, so the it's a it's a peer and mentoring um, structure that that really you know shows shows a different path. Well, I think the the proofs in the pudding. I mean, when you talk about this grade uh, assessment or at least measurements that you're looking at, there's metrics, I should say, um, you know, it really does show how important uh, the, the, the uh, I guess, exposure and the, and the support that, that they need. I mean, it's not like 
these kids are any different than any other kids. Exactly. It's just the environment. Yes. And the environment is night and day. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have it, you go to the dark of night. And if you do have it, you're sh- you're yeah. shown the light, yeah. and you're going to see what you're capable of. So yeah. that that is a beautiful um, program, and it, it's the, those numbers speak yeah speak well of it. Well, I have to give a shout out to Marilyn Odom, who is the director at the Best Choice Center, and just does an amazing job with with the program and and. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like I can't stand in her shoes when when I'm talking about this this because she just is so articulate around um, and passionate and educated and experienced in terms of just what she's doing there. But she says, you know, we don't see the kids and and see their alphabets, you know, their diagnoses or their, you know, their ADDs and their, you know, she's like, we see kids that need help and we give it to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a hundred percent past grade level, a hundred percent. That's, that's, Excellent. But we had about five that were on the, you know, they were on the bubble at the end of the year. And so she's like, so we swooped in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we just said, you know, what do we need to do to make sure that you get to where you, you want to go? Yeah. And of course, the earlier, the better. You know, the, the earlier we can get kids into the program, the better the results. Mm-hmm. So, um, and at the Best Choice Center, there's two additional programs. There's Teen Court and... Um, Work and Earn It. Work and Earn It is through a partnership with the Juvenile Detention Center. Um, And it's really to help kids kind of instead of going into detention to um, they do work and do restitution and and kind of Mm -hmm. work on expungement through that. So to lessen the... um, keep them out yeah. of the judicial system. Well, an occupation is to be occupied. So. <sighs> yeah. So um, so that's one program. And then uh, teen court is when you've had an infraction and then your peers actually, they adjudicate. Kinda, they adjudicate and they determine what your punishment is. And of course, it's overseen by, mm-hmm. um, you know, attorneys. We have, we, we have some really interesting stories that come out of that. And, and it, it, it teaches you, you know, sometimes these are mild infractions, but they can be the path to something else if you're not careful. Right. And so it's it has an impact to have your peers mm-hmm. judging you as opposed to, you know, the man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and sort of looking at it a little bit differently when it's like, oh, you know, yeah. like everybody here looks just like me. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're telling me, you know, they're handing down the truth that I need to hear. So. Well, that's a good message. I mean, your, your peer group is society when you're little, you yeah. know, you don't see really the workings of, of, of the big world out there, the real world. And so it's good that you get that viewpoint, but also understand there's rules that <laughs> we follow to have civil society. And I'm, if I continue to break them, I won't be adjudicated by these peers anymore. I'm going to be adjudicated by the man. (laughs) That's right. That won't end up well. (laughs) No. And I, I, I think that, you know, when you, when you are, I, I would imagine if you're in that system Mm -hmm. that you would feel pretty powerless. Yeah. And also like, how do I even, how do I begin to even take this apart? Whereas if you are looking at your peers, not only are they holding you accountable, but you can say like, you know, I've got, kind of the same thing they do you know mm-hmm. so it's it's i think it has an empowerment aspect to it that's yeah. you know as well as kind of the healthy shame that probably needs to come about to to wake wake folks up 
Yeah, well, I mean, in the common thread of empowerment, I mean, we say we said three E words: um, engaged. I think these kids are engaged when they come in after school, and then they're provided with an enriching environment. Absolutely. So those two things are what equal empowerment, because you see that someone cares about you, someone sees you, and that they're giving you opportunity to show you that you have this potential yeah and that's, that's a great empowering. In, that's a great insight i yeah. love that I well that's that's empowering yeah. because a lot of times we're like oh here you know it's it's you know in the, some of the social systems in the system uh if you know you say here's some money good luck mm-hmm. and and the outcomes are just terrible so i mean it, i guess the right. emphasis is just on those those support systems that people yeah. who are passionate and want to help and don't want society just to fall apart right. um, and give, especially children, give them a chance. And especially yeah. women who, you know, probably for a lot of reasons ended up where they did by not being empowered, by right. by, by being controlled by other influences or other people mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. so those three things. And that's, you know, in, in tech, in learning, in adult education, which is a lot of what we do here at AHEC is that, engagement is the hardest part you know i mean we we think that the timely and relevant topics are enough but when you have a a passionate instructor or facilitator and you have you infuse that with maybe some novel methods of delivering information then people are engaged and then that's creates an environment that's enriching and then they go, they leave there and they go, you know, we ask them six months later and they, they were empowered to make yeah. change. Yeah. So that, that it, model. The, you'll retain it. Yeah. It has a, it has an energy to it that, that, yeah. that stays with you. Yeah. And, and I think you also provide a sense of agency to people who probably never yeah. had it or never were told that, you know, we're free individuals. Right. And, um, well, and, I think one of the things that I, I love about all of our programs is that they're really person-centered in how we construct them. You know, it's they're evidence-based programs, but they are absolutely focused on, you know, the feedback that we're getting from in the in, from individuals. And I, I, I gave Marilyn a great shout-out, and I neglected to do so with Danita Mitchell, who is completely hands-on all the way in every step of the way at Holly House. It's open 365, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You know, addiction, you know, when you're recovering from addiction, it is is an all-the-way full-time job. So, you know, but all of the plans are created with huge input from the individual. You know, Mm -hmm. that it, that, and same at Best Choice Center. It's just, you know, what, what do you need to thrive mm-hmm. what do you need to feel empowered what do you need to find your source of strength and clarity and focus and whatever it is to help you academically succeed mm-hmm. and same at um the gateway we have a program the gateway is our gym facility which mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows that's actually what they think of when they think about the ywca and i haven't even mentioned it yeah but. well that's i mean i'm guilty of that too because before we started i was like so you yeah, know, we're talking about the Gateway Fly, right? <laughs> the, the building right. down there on, right. on, on right. Main right. Street. Right. But, but no, it's way more than that. So to the gym now. To the gym. Okay, so we'll 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 chat a little bit about um, our beautiful Gateway facility, which was really um, constructed as a centerpiece <coughs> for the Southeast Corridor and its rejuvenation. And then, of course, 
we had a recession. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So all of the other businesses that were going to come in and help anchor that facility Mm -hmm. did not come in. You know, everything contracted for an extended amount of time. But, of course, it was a beautiful gym and a beautiful aquatic center, and everyone was excited about it. And so we did well. Um, but the debt on the building was really, really high mm. and, and remained a challenge for the YWCA. And um, I just want to acknowledge that there's not one person in town, if they know about the YWCA, that they don't think about the pool. Mm-hmm. And so I want to go ahead and just address that that is such a grieving process for everyone. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it was a beautiful pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you and I can probably sit here and exchange stories oh, that we yeah. have. I've had a couple of birthday parties. Birthday parties, mm-hmm. going swimming with my mom there, you know, mm-hmm. just beautiful, beautiful memories from the community. Um, unfortunately, when we flooded, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, we had flood insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not insured. So we were able to fix the things that were not related to the pool. Mm-hmm. But per FEMA regulations, an underground equipment for pools is not covered. And even our insurance agents like didn't know that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very technical. So nothing that, that happened with the flood could be addressed. Um, and it was it really quite a situation. Um, it's a, it was a huge aquatic center, and so it was very expensive to operate. Mm-hmm. We tried for quite a long time to find an invested partner, but between the updates that needed to take place and the upkeep for just something that size, it was not a viable, and it was uninsurable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not a viable business proposition for a partner. Right. Um, and that was very, very deeply mourned within our community. Um, eventually, what we landed on was actually selling the building and we rent it back. We, you know, we're a tenant. We have a landlord, you know, mm-hmm. like many of the, went, like many of the YMCAs in town, you know, it's yeah. not an unusual practice at all, mm-hmm. but we have a lifetime lease. We were able to reduce our our debt to zero, which was really important because we have all of these life-changing programs that mm-hmm. we really want to lean in on. Yeah. Um, and while we all will miss the pool, we're excited about what we're going to do in that space, which is about 18,000 square feet that can be converted into top-notch, you know, mm-hmm. new fitness facility. So yeah. um, we're really excited about that. And, and there's a lot more to, to come. Um, but one of the programs that is housed at the Gateway is the Gateway to Success, which is a diabetes management program for low-income individuals, which are you know primarily African-American. Um, and the results in that program are really, really impressive. We published last year um, at the Society for Internal Medicine in May, um, received encouragement to seek other types of uh, funding. It's really, really impressive. 71% um, of the participants improved or maintained their BMI. 86% maintained or improved their A1C levels, which is kind of a, a difficult thing to explain, but it's it's, mm-hmm. it's part of the, when you look at what happens with your blood with diabetes, and it's, it's, it's an important part of, yeah, of the wellness. Most of our listeners probably... familiar with a1c yes (laughs) luckily um and then 77 percent improved or uh maintained their wellness score Mm -hmm. um and you know this program is a three-year program and it's built around a sense of community 
and support. Um, but a lot of it is nutrition. You know, it's not just the education, um, but it's it's teaching how to actually create nutritious meals economically mm-hmm. for your family. So we're seeing that we have some influence beyond just the participants, that we are sort of influencing the whole family and therefore mm-hmm. helping to curb some generational um, patterns in diabetes. And for Scythe County, it's like the, is the most obese <laughs> in the state, uh-huh. which is already one of the most obese in the country. So, again, it's one of those areas where these are folks that go to the doctor, they don't feel well, they might be morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. They're referred into this program, which instead of feeling unwell or sick, we focus on how to to connect with your sense of health and feel well and a sense of community. And what do you need, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Well, I think a lot of people think obesity is a very simple problem and it's simple with simple solutions and it's really not no. i mean there's so many aspects and i think you, you mentioned dr jamie ard was involved in that program and he's been on the podcast and we've talked extensively about that and and just all the factors that that are involved in obesity and but but as you as m- the other programs that you talked about it's it you know when you have that community that support that social connection part built into it, Mm -hmm. then your results are going to be a lot more successful. Yeah. Well, and I just, Constance Poe is is the director at Gateway to Success. And just like Danita at Holly House and Marilyn at Best Choice Center, all of our program directors see our participants as individuals that that are there and part of a community. Mm And they don't. If if there are barriers, we we understand that there are social determinants to health, mm-hmm. right? We we accept that that so there there's a, a whole list. Especially transportation. Transportation yeah. is huge up there, but mm-hmm. we just find a way to get through the barrier mm-hmm. by focusing on you know we want the results. We want people to feel empowered. We want people to feel connected. We want people to feel healthy, and you know if we can do that for this community in a way that makes sense it's 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 good yeah well i think uh, you know just just being healthy and, and you know the nutrition part the lifestyle the, you know fitness and just feeling better physically is is the stepping stone and also just like this the start of a a journey that gets you into yeah. a better place yeah. for your whole life because then you realize wow I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling good. I can actually do things without pain or without, you know, whatever affliction that I have. And then it's a positive feedback because you want to do more and more and more. Right. So, so, so that journey to health is really a, a very powerful way to, to empower again. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's um, one of the things that I really love about the YWCA is just our culture. It, i I'm I'm not working in a homogenized culture. I'm mm. I am loving the fact that I've sit at a table of leaders that are non-white and primarily women. It's it's really I can't endorse integrated environments <laughs> enough. It just makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and but adi- in addition to that, everybody you know takes care of themselves. And our CEO Christy Respis, she and I just had this wonderful conversation of just. You know, when I have a big task, we both have a shared sort of process of, you know, we gather all of the information, take it all in, and then 
go for a big walk or go for a big run or go for that bike ride and process it in those slower waves of your brain where things are more relaxed and open and soft. And then come back to you come back to it with a sense of clarity that's completely different Mm -hmm. than than when you, you know, started out on the walk or having walking meetings. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times leadership isn't embracing some of the easy things that we can do to facilitate more collaborative and creative work with one another. Mm -hmm. And, the list of collaborative partners, to her credit and to our board's credit, is just really, really long. We are doing none of this work by ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned Crosby Scholars and Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Second Harvest Food Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, really, really goes on and on. And United Way is is a is a wonderful partner to us. I'd mm-hmm. be I would be remiss to not call out how much they've supported these programs and how much it means to our success you mm-hmm. know without without their support we wouldn't be where we are so we're very appreciative well you mentioned the the makeup of, of the leadership <laughs> and and uh, i had a, a couple from uh davidson county who were really plugged in with uh nutrition aspects for for food markets and and also uh uh, building bike trails for walking and biking in, in Davidson County. And they've, you know, one of the insights that they shared was that you have to go in and know the community. And so when you, when you describe your, your leadership, it's like the people you serve are the people they know, or at least are plugged into versus organizations that come with, you know, you know, people with pedigrees and a lot of money, but they don't mm-hmm. know the community. So you can have, you know, unintended consequences for that, sure. you know, for that virtue sharing, but, but, you know, and they, because there's just, there's not the diversity of viewpoints around that. And there's not the intimate knowledge of the community that they hope to serve. You just don't have the results. And, and they, they pointed to, uh, not specific examples, but just sort of anecdotally of how many boards, of organizations that they went to that were just tired and they were going through the motions mm-hmm. and they were, they just should have been dissolved. You know, <laughs> I mean, in reality, they weren't doing, they weren't serving the community. They, right. were, they were supposedly serving. And, and so um, it's good to hear that. I mean, the, you can tell by the energy and the, and the look that you have when you're telling this story of how, how leaned in everyone is and how invested everyone is. Everyone is very invested. And it's, it's interesting because you, you brought up, you brought up something I see, you know, pretty regularly is that, you know, a lot of times the boards, I see the same name on every board. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to be tired. Number one. (laughs) And, you know, we, we live in a big town. I mean, I think that folks need to think a little, they need to think more broadly mm-hmm. just well, in general. And, 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 and I, I do really appreciate the fact that you picked up that we are all leaned in. Mm-hmm. It is a very energized board. The folks that are, that are sitting around the table that have worked through, you know, these complex issues related to the aquatic center and, mm-hmm. and, and the debt are now so released and relieved and excited about being able to do the work of our mission. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really, next year, we, we, as we get further on in this process of kind of stabilizing, and stabilizing is not really the right word, but kind of transforming our focus 
not that we, we've always been focused on our mission. We've been able to achieve these results under, you know, a lot of different challenging situations. But as those have kind of been transformed. The monkey's off the back. <laughs> it's not so heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's real nice to be raising um, funds and, and talking about this mission and being 100% focused on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what can we do from here? It's exciting. Yeah, it's hard to raise money to pay off debt. <laughs> yeah, I can I can assure you folks don't want to do that. <laughs> but they do want to they do want to support these programs and I'm and I'm so glad of it. But um yeah, so we're moving into advocacy next year. Um this coming spring will be our Women of Vision luncheon, which is in its 40th year. We recognize women in the community who are just doing amazing work and it's our 10th year of doing that in partnership with Winston-Salem State. Mhm. You know, it's just a, it's, it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time to be there. So, well, uh, I had my guest uh, <clears throat> last week was uh, Keith Steyerwalt. He's the um, director of Faith Health Communities uh, mm-hmm. and a chaplain and uh, Masters of Divinity from Wake Forest. And um, you know, the C N Y W C A stands for Christian. And I just wanted to address, like, how how much of do you see or feel that faith is a part of, of your mission? I mean, it. we sort of, you know, because, uh, well, I'll just stop there and ask that question. <laughs> you know, just, just is there, you know, that, that uh, sacred element to, to everything as well? Is there, an, is there a component of that? Well, I mean, it's, it's, we're a 112 year old organization and that is a part of, you know, how we were founded. Um, I think how that translates now is that the work that we're doing is is very service-oriented, compassionate, spirit-driven work. Mm-hmm. And some level, you have to be plugged into something beyond you to do this work. Right. How that translates is, you know, up to each individual. We want the door to be open for everyone. So... Um, you know, all faiths, all peoples, mm-hmm. all, all, all iterations. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone is welcome. Yeah. Well, I, I love the way you put that. I mean, I was thinking that, yeah, that that part of each individual is important, however they translate it, and mm-hmm. how that can guide themselves on the on this journey to better self. I guess. Yeah. As you'd say. So. Well, and I mean, that that's my interpretation. And, you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've worked with a team of folks and everyone kind of comes at it a little differently. Yeah. But I do think that it is, you know, it's it's heart centered, spirit driven work. And mm-hmm. that's that, you know, for some folks, that's very much tied to their faith. Mm-hmm. And for others, it's, you know, it's 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 not. Mm-hmm. But there, but everyone is welcome. Yeah, well, I think everyone any kind of community space like you describe for these programs, and then the actual gym where people go and and and, and challenge themselves and everything. But the the community, the you know, there's always the feeling around you that there's something greater than self, and I think that's important for a lot of people. And I think a lot of kids that don't have that and, and the messaging that our society gives them is this materialism, you know, every man for himself, you yeah. know, dog eat dog, you know, the world's yeah. going to end in 10 years well, anyway. And if so. you come from a family with a single parent and three children and, you know, two or three jobs, you know, materialism, it just is, 
that's a very um it's it's not an attainable Mm-hmm. type of goal and it and it smarts it doesn't feel you know it doesn't even remotely resonate with what you have going on in front yeah, of yeah, you yeah the messaging is the, the that's messi- what you're yeah. supposed to be and and from a com- you know the sort of competitive side of things look at how look at how our access to sports has changed that you know mm-hmm. it, there are so many different ways that disparities have become wider and the margins between what people have and do not have has become harder it and harder to bridge. Mm-hmm. So anywhere, any space that we can kind of go and occupy that can help people feel more in touch with themselves and more in touch with their own sense of a, you know, personal empowerment or and or a connection to community is is work to be done that that is rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of the things that I really love about every program and every field is when you walk in there. It just feels very community and family oriented, you know, not family oriented from like a traditional sense of the nuclear family, but of the human family. You know, mm-hmm. when I walk into the to the Gateway Y to go and work out, I see everybody, you know, I see all ages, mm-hmm. I see all kinds of fitness levels, and I see a lot of connection, and I see a lot of folks that are in there every single week, and it, it feels really good to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not for everybody. Some folks you know, really, really want kind of just a more traditional gym experience. But for me, it feels like a part of a community that's an, that is my community. I mean, I live on the South side, so I feel, mm-hmm. I feel really tied into it. Even you know, to, South side. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, just to continue on that thread, I mean, I think, you know, the value that programs like this and, and success stories um, to take those who are, Definitely underserved and definitely uh, dealt a hand, uh, you know, they're holding low, t- you know, deuces and threes. And so, you know, a lot of us are holding royal flushes and, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, the value of raising uh, people out of that and giving them the energy that they and, and the spirit and the knowledge that they can improve themselves. They can improve their place in society just by plugging into this mm-hmm. and being a part of something greater. And that benefits society way more uh, than we realize. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. healthier communities, you know, we have in so many different ways we can define that, but just getting people healthy and energized to be able to go do whatever their occupation yeah. is. And, and that's so much important. That's, that benefits society so much more than losing these people to the margins or having them adjudicated or, or incarcerated. So we're just paying for them. And as I think most of us know, that those environments aren't rehabilitative in most, most no. instances. They're just punitive. So, yeah. so we, 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 you know, it's a common, it's a sick joke in this country where, you know, when someone commits a crime we say oh yeah you'll you know don't drop the soap in prison you know it's just that's a rapey joke and yet it's just we think it's funny for some reason we we have, and they deserve it or something we have um we have failed communities of color over and over and over in this country and you know you and i have had a lot of passionate conversations about this but i thought something that was really interesting and forgive me if I get this wrong, um, it might have been Milwaukee, and they declared racism to be a public health 
crisis. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the most brilliant move because first and foremost, it opens you up for policy change in ways that we can really structurally address the systematic oppression that comes from populations that are Mm non-white. I mean, it's just across the board. And it's obscene to me. I mean, I can't, I can't say anything other than um, very strongly that I feel like we have a real serious responsibility to think about what we're doing, how our privilege affects other people, um, how, our, how we're educating our children. Um, you know, it all comes into play. It all comes to bear. And I think that, you know, it also comes to roost if you don't address it. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think, I mean, it, you know, when we say the word public health, um, when we say the word public health, I mean, we, you know, the public yes. and we're all members of the public. Yeah. So when, when one part of the public is, is not as healthy as the rest, it brings us all down. Absolutely. It brings us all down. So the healthier the entire population is, the healthier we all are. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm really happy to have a chance to talk about what we're doing at the YWCA and your time and and direction with the questions and some of your insights around engagement and enrichment. It was really lovely to hear that. Yeah. hadn't really thought of it that way before. So well, thank you for thank, unpacking that with me. Yeah, and thanks for coming in. And uh, I want to have you back and talk about end-of-life stuff since you just <laughs> went through all that with your mother. And I know you had some insights, and it's related to some other episodes that we've had here. So yeah. I want you back. I'm happy to happy to talk about um Happy to talk about my dear mom and, and the end of her life and, and some of those great things that we've shared in our friendships. I'm, I would love to come back. Thank great. you. Thanks. <laughs>